Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. In this episode, Nick Curtis, CEO of Lenzar, describes the experiences that brought him to his current role and situation. Nick also talks about building customer relationships and discusses the company's product in development, the Ally System, the first femtosecond laser for cataract surgery. Let's listen to this interesting talk. Hi, everybody. This is Asan Sadri. I'm a board certified ophthalmologist here in Newport Beach, California. I'm also involved with the Visionary Venture Fund here, and also in Orange County. And I'm actually really delighted to bring in my, my good friend and, um, and enthusiastic, energetic, really fit, brilliant buddy of mine who um, we haven't had on the podcast before, and we're delighted. It took a little while, mostly on my, my end, my schedule to get him on, and I'm just really delighted to get Nick um, here. Um, Nick, it, you know, obviously, Curtis, everyone knows who you are. For those of you who um, are not in cataract refractive, if you are, you know who he is. If you're not, then, you know, um, you'll get to know him a little bit, but he's got a very unique background. Um, he, you know, he's in, in inventor, but also in TLC. So he understands the operational and also the clinical aspects of ophthalmology. And obviously he's been the leader and CEO of uh, Lenzar um, for many years now. And a lot of important things happening for those of you who were in the OIS um, anterior segment, you saw his last uh, uh, presentation, which was absolutely remarkable. I found that to be very intriguing. And there was a lot of comments and emails I got and text messages on your new platforms coming out. So um, Nick, I'm just delighted to have you here. Um, I wanted to talk to the audience a little bit about your background. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know Nick, Nick, tell us about your background. Tell us your, your personal background. I know you're, I know you're Greek uh, and uh, yes. we both have love of Greece together. Okay, tell us about yeah. the family background, where you grew up and then some of the entrepreneurial influences you've had in the past. My family was very, very close, and I'm sure you can relate, you know, like as being Greek Orthodox and, and being, you know, my parents being first generation, you know, we, we were, um, we were a very close family. So the fact that I lost a brother, I was the oldest and he was in the middle and I have a younger brother. Um, I, I really needed to, my dad wanted me to go away to school so that, um, you know, I could, you know, get out and, and learn and sort of grow. And it was important that I needed to sort of get away from home, you know, at, at that point and, uh, and be, become, you know, more independent. I thought I was independent and whatnot, but my father was encouraging me to go somewhere else. And so, you know, for me, it was interesting because I played football and I wrestled. And so um, I, I was recruited, you know, to Michigan State and I was recruited to some other places. And so I ended up, I went to Northwestern uh, in Chicago and I was on a four-year football scholarship there. And then I wrestled my freshman year as well. And so, and I joined, I went into the School of Communication Studies really with an emphasis in, in business and, and marketing. And communications, you know, it's, it's so far reaching and particularly in the business and marketing side, you know, that it actually is applied pretty well for, uh, you know, and prepared me pretty well for a lot of the business I got into afterwards. So, so that's that's great. So I mean, so it's smart. So you're you're in Chicago. It's about what four or five hours away. You're not too far away, but you're far enough that you're kind of learning how to kind of be on your own and you know do your own laundry, all this other stuff. Plus, you got a scholarship, which is terrific. For those of you who don't know, Nick is still in exquisite shape. So <laughs> we get to see him. Make sure COVID's had an impact on that. 
<laughs> it hasn't been positive. <laughs> He makes a he mess he humbles us little guys that are trying to hit the gym a little bit here once in a while. Yeah. Um, okay, so you get there and then your initial career path. So you're out in call out of college. Uh, what get what got you into um, eye care? So this is this is you know kind of interesting because it was a little bit of a circuitous uh, uh, route. Um, so and it's there's some serendipity too. So I interviewed at Northwestern, you know, in my senior year as I was finishing. The thing was, I mean, Northwestern was just such a great school and, and we had so much access to a, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things. And and um, and so the whole experience there being in Chicago and playing football there at a time when, you know, the team wasn't all that great. We were, we were a bit still Big Ten and the university, you know, really wasn't as near as supportive of athletics because you know, they were more an academic institution. And so, you know, it was interesting in and of itself going, you know, going there. But I started interviewing in the spring of my senior year and um, I got my first job offer and, and I took my first job at, at IBM. And so IBM back then was, you know, it's, an, it's a huge and amazing company now. It was, you know, really top drawer uh, company, you know. And so their training, and what I really liked about it was, is that they had like fantastic training and experience. And so interesting enough, the regional manager of the Chicago office was actually, turns out, a, you know, a little serendipity, he was a Michigan State um, University grad, of course, which is my, which was my home city. So he and I, after I was offered the job and I joined there and I was going to the Chicago office, we, we had an immediate connection. He was older. He had been with, with IBM for over 25 years at that time. He was a lifer there. And, um, and so he was really a, 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 a good mentor, you know. Pretty funny, though, when I was interviewing at IBM and I interviewed with him for the first time, you know, I was told that, you know, he might, he might try to throw me off. So when I, when I went into the office, I'll never forget it because IBM, you know, they were all buttoned up. It was all, you know, dark suits, white shirts, you know, and I, I was coming out, you know, after playing football, I didn't really have a suit. I had a sport coat and it was, I had a white shirt, but I had a big wide tie and I, you know, a plaid sport coat and white pants. I went in there and he says to me, one of his first questions is, why would a company like IBM waste their time hiring a young punk like you? <laughs> and, so, and so that was that was nice. like his opening <laughs> question. Nice. And, and so, I, you know, I, I tried to think, you know, I just real quick, I just kind of thought to myself and I said, well, you know, if you really thought I was a punk, I don't think I would be here. And, and he just kind of sat back and looked at me like, Okay, you know, he took that. So he and I, we developed a, a really, a, a really good relationship. And he was really a good mentor. He, he really ran a tight ship at the office. He, but he also promoted a lot of fun. And, and, um, and all the people at IBM, you know, really taught me a lot about business fundamentals. In particular, you know, there was this whole IBM sales method. And more, it's more of a philosophy. I actually had to go to school for that. And I, I was in school for close to four months before I ever um, made a sales call. The only sales calls I made were when I was mirroring, um, you know, people that were in the in the field already to begin with, more senior people. And so they based this whole um, philosophy, if you will, on on what they referred to as a need satisfaction approach to selling. 
It was all about building a relationship and ultimately earning the right to ask for the business. And so there were a lot of very specific steps that you had to go through. Um, and it wasn't really something that you did consciously, at least not once you got going, but they believe that if you didn't you know, earn the right, then, then you didn't have the right to ask for the business and subsequently probably wouldn't get the, the business. And at the core, it was all about really building a relationship and it was about integrity. And so we learned to represent our technology and take the high road, not to really disparage our competitors. And you were always, we were told from minute one that you, you, you talk about your technology and offering, you don't disparage a competitor. In fact, right in their bylaws, if you spoke poorly about a competitor and your claim was, was found to either be untrue or that you, 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 know, you were not um, uh, proper in, in you slammed someone, um, it was actually grounds for immediate dismissal. And there were no second chances. It didn't matter who you were. So if you wanted a long-term business relationship, then you had to have really integrity. And this is really a core foundational value on it going forward. It's also based on need understanding and need development and sort of earning the trust in order to, to kind of be a consultative person, consultative selling, and finally being, you know, getting to the point where you can make a recommendation and match what you have in part of your offering to, uh, to the customer needs. And so ironically, about three years into the IBM career, American Hospital Supply, based out of Chicago, um, and specifically the V. Mueller division was interviewing for sales, and they were interviewing different candidates in East Lansing, Michigan, at Michigan State. And, and one of my lifelong buddies, um, who's still one of my best friends today, John Breslin, and anybody that looks at anything with Michigan State or knows anything about Michigan State, his father was Jack Breslin of the Breslin Center at Michigan State. And, and that was the Breslin Center at Michigan State was built and named after John's dad. And we, we, called, we called Mr. Breslin Tiger Jack uh, back then. He, he was an All-American in the 40s, and he was executive vice president at Michigan State. And so um, John interviewed with American Hospital V. Mueller there. And over the course of the conversation, um, the interviewer must have made some comment about looking for someone in Chicago with sales experience, but not necessarily healthcare. And, um, and John gave them my name. And so one thing led to another, and, um, and I ultimately made a difficult decision to leave IBM and one of my mentors, Bob Klein, um, and, and move to V. Mueller. And, and, and the reasons for that were was that I viewed IBM as a, as a lifetime career. It was safe, and it was really seniority-based. And um, the organization was more about the hierarchy um, than it was really entrepreneurial. And, and so I, I really, you know, I had a lot of drive and, and a lot of energy and I, I, I was doing really well there, but I, I just didn't see my success and growth path really matching sort of the ambition and drive that I had, um, you know, going forward. So V. Mueller and the healthcare business was much more risk oriented and entrepreneurial. You know, there was no salary. There were multiple products across like all surgical specialties. And so as a younger person coming out into sales, it was really intriguing to be able to go and watch all different kinds of surgeries and have an amazing catalog of products to be able to provide people. 
And I had a Chicago-based territory. And so, you know, um, it was extremely competitive. And so it was awesome. You know, I was really well-trained in the customer relationship building and selling from the world-class company, IBM. And now I was in this highly competitive entrepreneurial environment where your efforts would, you know, would actually be rewarded. So, you know, really, you know, the other aspect of it was just the intellectual curiosity and the challenge of being able to learn all about, you know, the different surgical specialties and devices, you know. So I was 24, 25 years old and, and I never looked back, you know, and honestly, uh, my life would never be the same. This is where I would shortly, um, shortly thereafter, you know, meet Bill Link. Andy Corley and others that would that would ultimately have a huge influence in my career and life. And so, then how did that happen? So, you how did you end up uh, meeting Bill and Andy? So, I, I met Bill and Andy. So, Bill was the was the head of the medical specialties group at American Hospital there, and as the head of the medical specialties group, he was the vice president there. They had a variety of different specialty products that American was developing and manufacturing. And so within that, there was higher Schulte had neurosurgical, uh, neurosurgical shunts and, and uh, drains and, and, uh, and those types of things. And then they had, at that time, it was called Medical Optics Center. And Medical Optics Center was, became American Medical Optics, AMO. And so we started the Mueller as a distributor we had like 25,000 products across all medical specialties. And so the American medical optics lenses were going to be sold through V. Mueller. And since it was an American, uh, American hospital supply product, Bill and his team came to Chicago and they were going to train the sales group a little bit in the eyes and what we were going to do and, um, and the products that they had. And we were going to represent the eye care uh, products. And at that time it was YAG lasers. It was um, YAG lasers and intraocular lenses. Started in rigid anterior chamber lenses that went to flexible anterior chamber lenses, you know, Charlie Kelman's uh, flexible uh, AC lens, and, and then um, many of the posterior chamber lens styles. Bill Simcoe, and, you know, we met Bill Simcoe and, and, uh, and of course, uh, uh, you know, just a, a host of people. So that's where, um, you know, I got into the ophthalmic business. U ultimately, um, V. Mueller, Baxter Travanol bought American Hospital Supply in, in about 1984. And, um, and so then at that time, they were going to spin off the eye division. And so Bill became the president of American Medical Optics. It was sold to Allergan Smith Klein Beckman, and um, that's where. And then he he recruited me to uh, to AMO. I had started to do really well in the eye business. You know, we again we sold all these other products, and when that all started happening, Bill recruited me over to uh, to AMO, and 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 Andy right. had joined uh, around that same time. And so we were all, you know, we were all together. He, he, you know, he hired us and, and that's where, uh, that's where we met. And that's where the, the transition to purely ophthalmology began. Yeah. And he, it's funny cause he, I had Bill Link here, you know, he's a friend as, and a mentor and he, it was fascinating because he, he told me the other side story of this whole, how he, how he went up, you know, as he was going up. Yes. And I don't know if you get a chance to listen to this absolutely fascinating how 
you know, they were he was they were doing retina, and then the, I guess the chairman of the group asked of the group, "Hey, does this does does everyone know? Does anyone know about this intraocular lens?" Yes. <laughs> That's how he described it, and he he like waited and waited and waited. Nobody said anything, and he at the very end he raises his hand sheepishly, and he's like, "Yes, son." And then he, you know, that was the beginning. He said, "Like if I hadn't done that, who knows um, if I, you know." You AMO for it would never have existed, which is just fascinating, like how these little things occur. Um, it's little, it's so it's it's so unbelievable because you know those little things in life at the time you're not really you know you don't really realize just how big they are and yeah. and what kind of an influence they're going to have in your life your whole life later. That's why I said, you know, I, what, you know, once I went over to V Mueller, I never looked back. Everything was just, you know, full speed ahead forward. And the eye business was really exciting. You know, I, I liked a lot of the different things that we were doing, but at the end of the day, the eye business was really starting to grow. I, I could see, you know, even as young and inexperienced that the technology was rapidly evolving. And, and, and so, you know, to have an opportunity to be able to participate in sort of this rapidly evolving business that was really growing and the ophthalmologists were cool. You know, everybody was, you know, um, let's face it, you're, you're, you're providing a, a major, you know, you're, you're treating, you know, major senses, right? Would you rather be, would you rather be deaf or would you, you know, would you rather be blind if you had to pick one of those, you know? So yeah. if you think about it, you're, you're providing vision to patients. That's really exciting. And yet at the same time, it's not life and death. Like I had been in plenty of brain surgeries and open heart surgeries and those types of things where you were dealing with, you know, with life and death. So, so it was a really yeah. great combination of great technology, really doing great things, you know, for the patient. And at the same time, you know, the, the technology was rapidly evolving and the business was, the market was growing. So it was, it was very, it was a very exciting, uh, very exciting time. And so we all just kind of, you know, we were just all into that and we were all young and, you know, and very enthusiastic. I'm enthusiastic today and, uh, and, and I'm enthusiastic even just thinking about it um, just because it was, it was very exciting. So, I mean, you have a very rich background. I mean, we could, we could stop and talk about star Chiron and then, you know, what led up to lens are, but for the sake of time, um, tell, tell us about your current role in Lens, Lensar. And I know you've been there since 2012, you're a board member and you've gone through a, ma you know, you and I have sat down privately over dinner and I remember, you know, how many times you had MMA activity with this company and you stood by, which is remarkable. Not a lot of people do that. Um, tell us about your current role. What's exciting you uh, about, um, your current role, your technology and, you know, again, maybe you want to talk uh, to some extent about your newest sort of combo therapy that you have on Ally, sure. but also some important lessons of what I call stick to itiveness, right? So there's get to itiveness and stick to itiveness. And that sounds like you're one of those guys that just hunkers down no matter what. And I love that. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of both. I, I really wanted to be in the treatment you know, side of, of the business. And so when I had the opportunity to go to Lenzar, I came in as the chief commercial officer. And, and my job was going to be to set up, you know, for distribution and and uh, in sales of the product. And so the, the company was delayed um, through the product development. And so we 
ultimately, you know, work to get the product ready to, to launch. And it was a very tumultuous time. And so at that time, then the board of directors um, made me the, the, the interim CEO. <laughs> interim, it's a long time day of interim <laughs> to, in 2012, because that goes back to 2012 before we even commercialized the product. And so, and so, you know, got the product to the marketplace and, you know, certainly the company's been through a lot of, of ups and downs. And so we really, you know, if I go back to my core, you know, core things I, I, I mentioned earlier on, you know, which is about the integrity and about being completely customer centric, customer focused, and really focused on meeting, you know, real needs, you know, and unmet needs. We, we really believe that we've evolved our current platform more than, than, than any of the other lasers and laser companies that are performing cataract surgery. And really it starts with, you know, we look at, can we improve efficiencies? Can we help the physician provide better medicine? Can we help them deliver on a better outcome? Can we, uh, increase and enrich their opportunity to be able to present and, and to perform and use this technology and utilize it on their patients. And subsequently, do the patients have a better experience in it? And so we, we, that's, that's at the core of what we're doing. And this really takes a team. And so we believe that, that our ergonomics, the augmented reality imaging, which includes this cataract density program that we've got in imaging that automatically adapts and provides custom fragmentation and energy settings, that we have the broadest range of tools to help the doctor manage astigmatism. And, and, um, and we're looking to bring that those kinds of things routine during cataract surgery. And, um, and especially, you know, uh, for folks that are going to evolve from the current LensR platform to the ally system, which is the Gen 2. And so again, you know, helping a surgeon to increase their revenue and improve the outcomes. Um, moving forward, you know, so we're deep into development of our Gen 2 device. And I, I, we call that device ally. And that's really going to be the first femtosecond laser for cataract surgery that integrates a next, a next gen laser, I can explain that a little bit, with a Swiss engineered FACO emulsification device, really a top end FACO in a very small compact cataract treatment removal system. And so the core feature technologies that help to make our current platform so popular um, are gonna be core to the Ally system as well. And then some additional uh, features there. And so we really believe that this is gonna change the paradigm in cataract surgery treatments. We're looking to bring that product to the marketplace in, in, the, in the second part of uh, 2022. And we're looking to, to file with uh, our 510K with the FDA, you know, sometime shortly after the first of, uh, first of the year of 2022. That's fascinating. I mean, for those of us, ophthalmologists answer your segment, refractive surgeons, uh, that's just really exciting because, you know, it's... Um, I would say, you know, I'm part of the minority. I would say probably my personal practice still, we have about 50 to 70% of all comers probably still get femto of some kind. And it's one of our offerings is very popular with patients. So I'm glad that, you know, one of the things I was delighted to hear is you're spending more time sort of evolving that technology. And from, I would say, gosh, first box that I bought 
um, you and I talked like, you, you know, we've had dinner at New Orleans and I remember it at in San Francisco talking about how we should combine this. And just so that for you to have this now offering coming out right around the corner, just super exciting for people like me, but a lot of our colleagues and, you know, we've, we have nothing but, you know, just absolute support for you and, and uh, whatever you need us for us to support you, let us know. Cause I think it's really good, ultimately great for the patient. So thank you. Um, as we close up, because, you know, uh, yep. we have, so much to talk about, right? So much more we can talk about. And I'd love to bring you back. Tell us some additional pearls that you may, you know, kind of wrap up by like, you know, you've had yes. a really rich career. And if you notice, guys, he was talking about having mentors. And I'm sure he still has a lot of mentors today. Tell us a little bit about that. What does a young Nick Curtis have to do to become um, a slightly older, but still good looking Nick Curtis? <laughs> So, you know, really, uh, if you go teamwork, it, you know, it, it, it sounds cliche, but it's it's 100% true. Um, if, if it's not about the team, you can have the absolute best athlete, you can have the smartest engineer, you can have the best people selling, but at the end of the day, if the team is not functioning together, um, you're, you're gonna have limit, limits to success, or no success at all. And so the teamwork, I, I cannot emphasize uh, uh, that enough, number one. Number two, you have to surround yourself with good people. And you have to be willing to bring people and to work with people that um, might be smarter than you in, in several different ways. But you're bringing, you're bringing everybody together and you're bringing out those things in people. And so you have to have a good team with a diversity of skills and a diversity of ideas. And so obviously the stuff's not faint for the heart. So, you know, the sense of commitment and focus. And, and I also believe that, you know, the, 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 the team has to share corporate values and commitment, integrity, 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 um, and really being really customer focused. I don't like to talk about customer. For me, it, that, that customer is my partner. Because without them, you don't exist. And so that's the other thing. You know, you have to have open communication. You have to have the team. You have to have integrity. You want to encourage spirited discussion. But you also have to have respect for different points of view. And as a leader, what, what your job is to do is to bring all of those things out. And at the end of the day, come up with an amalgamated plan that you believe you have your best opportunity, your best chance of, of succeeding, because it's meeting the needs, goes back to the very beginning, meeting the needs of the audience and your partners that you're, you're going to be doing business with. And so you can't really be afraid of making a mistake. Oh my gosh. You know, um, but the mistakes are not fatal unless you don't recognize them and you don't want to face up to it and that you can't move on. And so you have yeah. to be able to move on wow. with whatever change. And that, that is critical. Every day you got to learn something and uh, know your know your know your market and look at your customer as a partner. Without them, you don't exist. Yeah, like I mean, we we can spend so much time there. I mean, there's so much there. I mean, I I'm an avid reader. I read a couple of books a, a week. But like, for instance, for me, when I listen to that, and you know, I have we 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 have team meetings at our practice and you know all the venture stuff we do. But really, at the end of the day, you know, you got this growth. Uh, you know, you know, in the beginning it's small, then you've got this sort of a, uh, 
crazy, chaotic uh, growth strategy? And, you know, is that, are you meeting with them weekly? Are you having company meetings? I mean, you have a lot of employees. How do you keep, is it just your officers? Number one, that was the first question. Last, the, the second question would be, when everyone else, all the big other strategics are sort of, you know, probably not reinforcing or evolving the femto technology, you're doubling down. So what are you seeing that no one else is seeing? That's just fascinating. We'll wrap up with that. What do you think? I'll be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could have told you that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> too much football. I got in there too many times. Um, <laughs> going for it. I love it, man. You're going for it. I love it. How, we're going for it. Of no, no. All, all kidding aside, uh, you know, we're completely focused. And um, the, the reality is, is that, you know, the glass is half full. You know, it's it's not half empty. We we believe yeah. that there are many unmet needs here, Isan. And and so the big companies, their challenge is, is that they have such broad portfolios and they have so many different products that they're trying to manage. And most of the acquisitions that, that related to this type of technology occurred many management teams back and and the core entrepreneurs aren't necessarily there and the and the management teams that had the ownership interest in that aren't there so so for us we view it as a major opportunity and we're completely focused you know we're a public company now and we're completely focused on delivering and, and delivering on time what we say we're going to deliver and bring in, and bring in real value there and um, and that's going to you know the company is going to continue to evolve and hopefully we evolve into into many other aspects as well not not, you know, not just this but this will be the cornerstone with which to uh, with which to launch. I meet with with uh, our senior team um, and I meet with the the managers of the departments uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I have a, usually a quarterly update for the entire company. But as I get into the office, I, I like to um, kind of move around in the, in the office and not just sit in my office, but, but get into some of the other departments and really see what people are doing and, and talk to them. And, and um, you know, I get R&D updates and I get updates on, on all the different things that we're doing. And, and I try to talk to everybody, you know. Love it. I mean, like I said, I could be another hour with you, but we got to wrap up. And, I you know, I... Um, I'm going to see you hopefully soon. Uh, we have a bunch of meetings coming up. Um, I'll be in and out of Royal Hawaii and I, if, if I catch you, that'd be hey, great. Let's, we should get together there. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. I look forward to it. I have a lot to talk to you about. So um, again, uh, wanted to thank you and wish you all the success in the world that you're doing and you have, you know, just unbelievable energy all these years. And mm -hmm. I want to also thank Craig and the OIS guys for, for having the platform for having you um, um, on today. So thanks a lot, brother. Thank you for listening. Hopefully these great points from Nick Curtis will help you navigate your own successful path. One step is to register for the upcoming OIS Digital Innovation Showcase taking place on May 20th. And come back next week for more helpful information on the OIS Podcast. Thank you.